a playlist original. Just watch me. The medium is the message. Proof is a proof. What kind of proof? It's a proof. It has no core identity. Smashed potatoes are no gravy. You know what I'm saying? Speaking uh, moistly on them. Hello and welcome to Just Watch Me. I'm Kate. And I'm Liv. And today on the podcast, we have Kristen Gatoski. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you. Well done. You said my name right. That doesn't always happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So um, Kristen is a SAG-nominated actor, a musician, and producer. She was born in Toronto, raised in Markham. Kristen is known for her roles in the Emmy Award-winning show The Handmaid's Tale on Hulu, E4's Beaver Falls, CW's show Containment, and The Vampire Diaries, and of course, NBC's Chicago Fire. She wrote and performed songs in both Containment and Dust Storm, and when she is not on set, she is recording her debut album under the artist's name, Lee Grove, with her first single release coming very soon. She spends her free time mentoring youth for Good City Mentors. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here. Of course, we are such big fans of Handmaids. Uh, we have to ask you, um, first and foremost, you know, what did it mean to be a part of adapting you know, such an important piece of Canadian fiction from such a Canadian giant like Margaret Atwood? Oh, it's, it's a, yeah, an incredible honor and responsibility. I mean, I'd always known about Margaret growing up and to just see her work on the stage in this way. The minute I read it, it was, it was a pretty small couple scenes just in two episodes when I first got the audition and when I when I saw that it was based on her book I was like I don't care I'm like I'll take I won't even say anything let's do it you know so it was, it was so great to get to do that and I'm happy to be a part of it in any tiny way and when you say responsibility what do you mean by that do you feel pressure when you get handed a work like this what is that like I think that Margaret Atwood has a very special way of kind of telling stories that almost feel like psychic in ways but she definitely has like this incredible it's fiction but at the same time there's a lot of things that you can see in in real life as well so I think there's a responsibility to tell those stories truthfully and honestly and just you know looking at all the people involved and how incredible a project it was just being able to do it justice and it's it's so true about what you say about Margaret Atwood because she talks about that how she pulls all of her stories from real life so that no one can really say it's uh, science fiction it happened everything happened at some point in the world somewhere um and I'm so I'm curious you know there's she's created such a, a vivid alternate universe and what was it like to be a part of that it, it was amazing I mean it- like like we've been saying, it has, it's uh, it's kind of scary at times because you're like, are we in, going in this direction? I mean, we have other again other places in the world have dealt with a lot of the subject matter. Yeah, it it also was just really um, powerful because the story is just so um, important. And I think walking onto this set as well with such an amazing group of filmmakers too, it's just it was kind of uh, it was intimidating. Then you get there and everyone's joking around and and taking everything seriously, but when the time is right, kind of keeping it light. So I think it was it was pretty awesome. Of course, your character, Beth, is uh, a Martha. Um, and I just wanted to to talk about the, the plot of the season finale of um, season three. Of course, for everybody listening, there will be <laughs> quite a few spoilers. Um, but for those who don't know, uh, 
June, um, who's played by Elizabeth Moss, has this idea where she wants to get 50 children out of Gilead. I think it ends up being 86 children that they uh, that escape on a plane to Canada. Um, and the Martha Network, which Beth is uh, an essential part of, is a key part of the plan. Can you talk about filming uh, this season three season finale specifically? Oh, yeah, that was an amazing experience. I mean... It was such an epic finale and so well done and so well shot. And just, I feel like it kind of gave the payoff that everyone was waiting for throughout the season. And just to have all these kids around, it was actually really cool. One of my friends who I'd like worked in a restaurant with years ago, her kid happened to be, her daughter happened to be like one of the extras. So I was like, you can come walk with me. Um, but it was really cool to have such a huge cast. And I felt like the kind of intensity that was in the episode and, and knowing kind of where, where everything was going was, was easy to feel because of how, um, how many people were there, even just the, the, the volume of, of actors. And, and we got to get really dirty, which was great. We got, you know, <laughs> shoots out in the woods and, and, you know, we had a big plane on a runway. And I, I just remember kind of taking it all in and being like, this is pretty, pretty powerful. And, I think at the time there were a lot of protests going on outside as well in the real world. So they kind of were reflecting what we were doing. So it kind of um, gave an extra sense of empowerment and urgency to telling the story in the finale. So it was really cool. Absolutely. And so, and, and so much of the show um, is seen through the eyes of, of women and women are at the helm of the resistance. Um, and so I'm, you know, wondering as an actor, what it means to be a part of um, shows that, that highlight the stories of women. Oh, it's wonderful. I mean, when you start acting, you just kind of want to get hired in general, <laughs> you know, and, and eventually the more you do, the lucky the luckier you get with maybe the subject matter. But um, so to just be involved with something that A is something I would watch, B that puts women at the forefront and gives uh, women the empowerment to be able to kind of take their power back out without using the word power twice. But yeah, I thought, I think it was just really, really cool opportunity. Mm -hmm. In in episode three, your character, Beth, (laughs) I don't know how to say this dies. Um, what was your reaction when you first got the script? Um, and and like sub question, when you work on a show like this, do you kind of control fine for your name and see like, am I am I going to die? Like, <laughs> what did you what happened when you got the script for season four? That used to be a joke. Um, some of my castmates and I had on Beaver Falls where you'd go through a script and be like, bullshit, bullshit, my line, bullshit, bullshit, my line. <laughs> But no, I, uh, I mean, yeah, it's a mix of things. Obviously, like, I was so happy to be any part of the show and to start as like a little kind of tiny part and get for that to grow into season three. I was I remember when they said, you know, you're coming back for season three. I was like, cool, like, I'll take I'll take one scene. I don't care what it is. And so I got to do a lot more than I ever could have dreamed or imagined on the show. So um seeing what happens to beth in season four was first off expected because of like what we did somebody was gonna obviously have to take the the fall for it and pay for our liberation efforts but literally take the fall for it (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry i had to i had to like that well 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 done um but yeah uh, you know you're obviously always sad when you get killed off of something you know you want to you want to be immortal if you can be but I think it was an important 
kind of pivotal moment in the scene for June. And that's the important story is where's June going with this? And so, yeah. And it was done really cool. It was kind of an epic scene. Like we were shooting in the rain for the thing yeah. for two days. Um, and Lizzie was directing it. And so, yeah, when I read that, I kind of expected it to happen. But you're always a little bit sad when you read it. But I was, again, just happy to be on the show in any way. Happy to even be brought back rather than them being like, oh, they died in a, you know, they, we, we, didn't, we didn't know what happened to them. At least we got to do a cool little kind of stunt scene and, yeah, have, a, have an epic way to go out. And it's such it is such an incredible scene. And for those who haven't seen it but want to be spoiled, um, for context, uh, June has been captured and is being in quote enhanced interrogated of course being tortured and she's um part of trying to get information out of her is um beth is one of the people brought before her and who was ultimately uh pushed off of a building um to her death do you have any idea other than of course probably being held do you have an idea what happened to beth between where we left her in season three and where we meet her in season four or have you you know made up something in your own head (laughs) have you decided yourself um do you know where beth was during that time my guess is she just ran like hell for a while and and didn't go in the right direction should have gone with the handmaids but (laughs) um but actually i don't know i don't know what, what happens Oh, no, I do know what happens to the handmaids. They actually, you know, don't have the best outcome either. But I, my assumption was that she just ran like heck and probably found a guardian and got into a tuffle with them because she's feisty. And that's what mm-hmm. gave her the black eye that you see in episode three and eventually got captured. But my guess is she fought like hell before that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you you do talk about and you do see behind the scenes that it's actually quite a fun show to be a part of. There's all these dance sequences and, and fun kind of videos that you make together. So I'm curious, you know, when you're actually filming the, uh, your ultimate scene, when you fall off, like what, what was that like? And can you talk us through like the technical (laughs) elements of it? I'm really curious. Uh, It was cool. We had stunt rehearsals ahead of time with the amazing stunt team. And we basically, um, Went in a few days before, and there was off the ledge. So everything you see in that scene is mostly green screen. So we were in a warehouse. We built an entire rooftop. The rooftop was all real. And off the side of it, which is behind us, looks like this vast kind of cityscape, right? And the the parking lot or whatever, the ground below us. But all what we were seeing on the day was just this big, cushy, rectangular mat that we had to fall on um and so ahead of time Sujanya and I went in who plays Sienna who's she's absolutely wonderful and we just had to fall backwards which is kind of is scary even if you have a little cushion behind you to go fall backwards at any point is it's like a trust fall in a way um but there all the stunt team was kind of standing around to make sure we didn't you know fall through the cracks or anything um and yeah we did that a few times and it went well. It, again, it was kind of scary, but it was actually fun after, too. I kind of felt like a little bit badass. I was like, I can do my own stunts. <laughs> but yeah, and then and then on the actual day, we rehearsed it quite a few times. And they had this rainmaker kind of on the ceiling, so which was amazing. It was quite nice and warm, actually. Um, and they had that going. And, uh, and yeah, it, it was... It was a really cool experience. That was it's one of my favorite things when you get to kind of uh, do do extra extra stuff 
you know, learning a skill or doing a stunt. Um, so just generally, you know, shooting in Canada, what, what is, what's, what is it like coming um, home for you um, and shooting in Canada and especially on an American show? It's kind of like an interesting um, juxtaposition. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I get kind of the best of all the worlds. I get to um, be working in general. That's always good. Um, and on great projects, there's so many great American projects shooting here. Uh, it's really, really um, abundant. And, uh, and then getting to come home and see family on the weekends uh, well, I mean, that was more in season three before, you know, there was a pandemic and all that. <laughs> but yeah, it's great to be have that kind of homecoming, see all my friends and their new babies, but then be able to go to work uh, and also have my own space when I'm home too. So that's nice. But yeah, it's, it's wonderful. Toronto's a great, great city and they are shooting so many incredible productions here. So I'm glad to be back right now. Actually, my agent keeps sending me the coolest things that are shooting, sending me um, auditions and, and uh, reads for things. And I'm like, wow, like, Toronto's kicking butt right now. Even with the, you know, the lockdown and all that there, there's a lot of great projects that are coming here. So it's, it's always a treat to come home to work and to see everybody. Toronto is kicking butt right now. I like that. Um, I realize you, maybe you can't tell us because maybe you do know. Um, but if you don't, do you have, you know, theories or hopes for where the story, even after, you know, your character is gone for where the storyline is going for season four? I don't have any, um, I mean, I don't know anything. I'm finding it out as you guys are. So, I mean, I just got the script for that, for that particular episode. Um, so everything's new to me too. What I can gather from the trailers is I'm hoping that, ends up in Toronto. Seems like she's on some sort of um, in some sort of place, making some sort of statement, uh, seeking justice. So that would be really cool if she gets out there and what what that ends up um, meaning. But I don't know what what happens with Hannah then. Hopefully, Hannah gets out eventually, or and they can have some sort of reunion. So you know, we always this is my my favorite question to ask, and I always ask. Um, our actors that come on, um, you know, well, I'll start with this is, you know, you're talking, you, you talk about how the Toronto industries is booming and I'm curious, you know, why, you know, what, what is it about Toronto, um, in particular that's, um, so inviting and, and what does it kind of mean for the Canadian industry at large to have, um, you know, all these American productions coming to and shooting in, in, in and around Toronto? It's a lot of things. Toronto, firstly, just visually can become many cities, which is really cool. It's chameleon in that way. I know it can become Chicago or New York. I mean, any anytime I've traveled, even I've been to Melbourne and Australia, there's parts of Toronto in these cities because um, it has, you know, in, enough areas that can be generic, but also really cool artistic buildings in the city. So I think there's that element of it being able to... Um, become many cities and I think also with you know cottage country and wilderness you can kind of um, rep- um, that can stand in for a lot of places so I think there's a lot of uh, projects and films that will shoot kind of up in I don't know North Bay or different places like that or Muskoka um, so the visual element I'd say also in terms of it being friendly for that I think Canada's actors and crews work really hard and I think that there's amazing pools of talent here. And I think that um, American production recognize that. Um, and they accommodate productions really well. And I'm sure there's probably some 
form of tax or dollar benefit. I don't know the business side of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I know that I've, I've heard people speak on behalf of Canadian talent crew and, and how they respect the work ethic that, that people have here. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, and it's awesome. People are awesome here. Canadians rock, you know? And I you know like living in the States, people always say this to me. They're always like, you're Canadian. I love Canadians. And I'm like, great, thanks. I mean, I appreciate you're even giving me that right from the get-go, you know? Uh, uh, we, I get a little little button or star from, our, you know, like when you're in school, maybe a little thicker. Um, but yeah, I think Canadians are awesome people and creative. And I think that's part of why people like to come down here to shoot. Speaking of Canadian talent, do you think that hopefully that recognition will turn into um, maybe more respect or more uh, like maybe more proliferation of Canadian productions, given that Canada is starting to make so much film and TV? I think so. Absolutely. And, and you're really you're starting to see cool Canadian shows become more uh, have more of a stage in the States like Schitt's Creek or Kim's Convenience or Working Moms. Like these are shows that are starting to become popular. Well, Schitt's Creek has already like taken over in the coolest way. Um, but you see a lot of these shows being loved by the American market too. So I think, I think it definitely helps shooting American productions here just in general gives Toronto probably more resources to continue to make their own homegrown stuff and, uh, and, and, and share it with the world. Hopefully. So the, so I, this is all a preface for me to ask my favorite question, <laughs> which actually is, do you think that Handmaid's Tale is or should be called Canadian content? Now, here's my pitch for you. So it's Margaret Atwood novel, who's obviously a Canadian, Canadian voice, um, but it's an American production. And a lot of, you know, there's, you know, a good split between, you know, Americans and Canadians behind the scenes. Um, so what do you think? Is Handmaid's Tale a Canadian show? I absolutely think that, I mean, we can call it North American if that just suits, makes everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I definitely think Canadians can lay some claim on that for sure. I mean, uh, as much as any American could, I think, you know, we'll call it a hybrid shared production, American, American mom and Canadian dad or vice versa. Or <laughs> Canadian mom. Can a dual citizenship. <laughs> yeah. Um, dual citizenship um, of the project. I definitely think, you know, um, Margaret Atwood is a Canadian icon. So, so that right there is, is all you need to say, right? And Olivia, I'm not asked, but I'll answer your question too. I think um, <laughs> because Margaret Atwood is Canadian and she's has said, you know, Handmaid's is her writing, uh, her version, her idea of what American totalitarianism would look like. You know, she has a Canadian perspective and she's, you know, viewing this. And this is her, a Canadian's take on what American totalitarianism would look like. So I think there's a Canadianness to that that's, you know, essential in how the world of Handmaid's is created. Um and the fact that Canada is visited literally in the show and in the book also says something too. Yeah, I think it's a Canadian perspective. So that in itself makes it, you know, Canadian as well. And, <laughs> and I think that, you know, we're so heavily, we're so connected with the U.S. Growing up, I'm sure we've all, you know, um, ingested a lot of American culture and, you know, we've traded between the two countries. You're just very... Close, I think that 
No, but I agree with you on the point of Canadian perspective, because I think it's uh, it's an interesting question that I like to talk about, just like who like whose perspective is it and why does perspective um, behind the scenes particularly matter? And, you know, like, why is it important that, you know, we have women behind um behind the camera and people of color behind the camera and, and, and why that matters. And, and so I like to kind of like pick on, pick on these different shows and interrogate them for that reason, because of course, like Handmaid's Tale is an American production, but you know, it's Margaret Atwood's vision and her works at, at the center of it ultimately. Right. And, and, you know, she's a Canadian, so she inherently has a Canadian perspective. She's a, she's a woman, she has a, a female perspective. And, um, and so I, I, you know, I, I just think it's an interesting Thing to talk about and and point to raise and I I'm sorry to be <laughs> dragging you into all my uh, my musings <laughs> but uh, but that's at the heart of what I I'm getting at and I I would be remiss to not ask you about your time at Second City um, and of course you've been involved with so many really serious um, things lately um, and I'm curious you know how well how Second City has helped shape you as an actor and and if maybe you're hoping to do more comedy down the road. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, I did, I did Second City when I was really young. I did that when like I was first starting acting when I was probably, I started acting when I was like 10 years old. So my mom would get me into the Second City classes and those were some of my favorite classes because they felt like uh, less like, you, you know, you had to do it and do it right. You just kind of went in and had fun. And so I love comedy. I started taking UCB classes a few years ago in um in LA and definitely like I don't know if I'm as free as I was as a kid I gotta I gotta you know you kind of want to go for the joke the older you get funny whereas a kid you're just like ah whatever um I would love to do comedy I think I don't I don't know if I'm if I'm typecast into super serious roles because I've done so many intense kind of dramas but I would I would kill to do comedy and my Canadian agent always keeps being like guys Kristen's funny you just don't know it yet <laughs> we're in there I'm like yeah I can make you laugh um but yeah, yeah comedy is hard though as much as it seems like a lot of fun it's to be good at comedy you gotta it's it's a challenging thing to be really 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 um successful as a comedian or as a comic actor so yeah but if I could pull it off I would love to do that for sure I'd love to see you in a comedy for sure. Um, but do you, and I'm wondering, do you think with the UCB classes, do you think being an improv, learning to be an improviser um, lends itself to other areas? Like, does it make you a little with the, you know, the essay ending of it all? Are you, does it like make you a better collaborator? You think? I like that. You know, the essay end. Good one. Have you taken classes yourself? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Absolutely. I think, you know, a lot of people take um, improv classes, even if they aren't actors. And I think it serves um, thinking on your feet really quickly. Although I don't always do that. Like I get quite nervous in interviews half the time. I'm sure like even at the start of this podcast, I was like, I'm repeating myself. I don't know what I even said there. Did that make any sense? Um, so I think actually, um, improv can help even with stuff like that. Like, um, thinking on your feet and, and listening, it's really, really important to listen in improv. And I think that can help you as an actor and a collaborator because you're constantly waiting for whatever the other actor is going to do. And you have to be listening or else you lose the joke, you lose the moment. Um, so I'd say listening and thinking on your feet and gaining more confidence in like public speaking situations. I think that's what it helps with. So 
I, I love what you say about listening because that's that's actually what Bill Hader always says. And he says that, um, you know, as a creator of the show Barry, he's casted people based on how they listened um, as actors. Interesting. Yeah. It seems to be the secret. Listening is more important than speaking, I think, as an actor. Um, absolutely. And I think in life, people don't listen very much in life. Do you? You, know, you find people are always kind of waiting for You can see them waiting to say what they're going to say or um, they're listening, but their eyes are darting somewhere else. I think in, in general, listening and listening is an important thing. I want to ask you a little bit about your music career as well. Of course, for those who don't know, you're also a gifted singer and composer um, and you're working on your debut album. How's it going? And what can you tell us, if anything, about it? It went really well. Um, the name is still a work in progress. I think, uh, I know you introduced it as Lee Grove, but I think I'm probably just going to be going as Lee, but it's still, we're still trying to figure it. I'm still trying to figure it out because some people are like, use your regular name and, and Part of me feels like I kind of want to have this separate creation with my music and let it kind of live on its own. Um, but yeah, it's great. I'm I'm about three, four songs into my potentially EP. It might it might expand to an album. I did about six song EP um, over the last few years that I'm kind of reworking. So that's the interesting thing about making art, especially if it's like just purely your own is that it takes a lot of incarnation sometimes to find it. And so I shot a music video and I did like a six song EP and now I'm kind of reworking all of those songs and deciding whether or not they're going to be part of the actual album. But the last few songs I've made um, recently are some of the, I think, best I've made so far. So I feel like I finally, finally have a sound. And that's the thing as an artist, you know, you can write songs for a show or a film, um, but finding out what your sound is, has kind of been an interesting journey. Because, you know, you listen to a bunch of different musicians and you go, oh, I love that song. I love that. I love this. I want to sound like that. But you can't really sound like anybody other than you. And so I feel like I'm finally really, I finally really found what that was. And so I'm really excited to put it out in the world. And hopefully by the end of the year, I will have at least an EP out. Um if not a full album, depending on how much more Well, we'll be excited to listen for that, hopefully by the end of the year. <laughs> yes. I know. It's, it, takes, it takes a long time sometimes. I keep getting mad at myself. I'm like, I haven't released anything yet. I haven't released anything yet. But, you know, you can't rush art. You just kind of – and sometimes you have to make a bunch of it to decide what you do or don't want to make, you know, and then – um, eventually, eventually it will come out, but I think I'm the closest to releasing stuff that I've been. So that's good. <laughs> I know this can be difficult and maybe the point of music is that you don't have to describe things in words, but you say you're, you're finding your sound. How do you, how do you think of that? How do you conceive of your sound, whether it be as Lee or Lee Grove or Kristen? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing is like, it might not always be sound like you expected it to, right? You can kind of, um, I, I can write my music and it'd be singer-songwritery, and then when I get into the, you know, in the producers, I'll, I'll, I'll want it. I think I had an issue with kind of wanting, liking so many different artists and wanting to be just as good as them or um, wanting to have a similar sound that was still mine but lived in, you know, that genre of certain artists that I liked. I think that was kind of um, inhibiting in a way. And so... 
I had an idea of what I thought it was going to sound like, but when I got in with this recent producer I've been working with, it's it's completely different than what I thought it was, but exactly what I was hoping it would be. Um, if that makes sense, because it's me and, and purely my stuff. We're not trying to make it sound like anybody else. So I'd say it, we're going in the direction of it's kind of like cinematic psychedelic folk, which was what I was. Which was always what I was hoping it would be, but then when I hear it now, I'm like, I didn't expect it to be like this, but it's great. Okay, this is this is my sound, and that can always change too as an artist. You know, everything you see, like Post Malone, I think is so cool because he'll do, you know, just like a ballad on the guitar, and then he'll do like a kind of banging track that you want to dance to. So there really is no rules, but for what I'm going to enter the world with with music, I think I, think I found it. So. Hopefully, yeah. Must be intimidating to take those first steps and, um, you know, present yourself in a different way. Because, of course, you know, you're behind characters when you're acting and you're actually putting out a piece of yourself. So, you know, I can imagine that process is, um, like we were talking about before, very uh, vulnerable. It's revealing. Yeah. That's why it's taken me so long to get anything out. Yeah. and I don't know if there's some, some subconscious kind of postponing or resisting because it's very vulnerable and it's your creation. It's not just someone's words they wrote on a script. It's your words. It's your feelings. It's, um, and then and then once it's out there, it's it's then everyone else's for their own um, interpretation, that for them to pick apart in any which way that they want. So there's something really scary about that. Absolutely. But I think if I don't, put it out in the world it would be like I had a baby I never birthed you know it just it wouldn't feel right so so speaking of content that you're consuming right now I'm curious um what Canadian content you're watching um if there's anything you want to shout out I know that you're a fan of working moms um which on a side note I think you'd be great in um if we're talking about comedy but um but what other uh, Canadian content are you are you watching I've can we hype up like in season two of Shit's Creek, so I'm really behind, but I'm I'm like I'm getting through that, so that's really uh, cool. Um, I have been doing a lot of escaping into reality TV. I'll admit that. So sometimes that takes over my my watching slate. <laughs> yeah, right now just a little bit, of and and that's fun, kind of fun as well. It kind of keeps things things light, uh, which is I think why people love it so much. It's so so funny and well done and. And easy to just kind of disappear into a bunch of episodes. Well, Canadian um, Bachelor in Paradise is coming this summer, so um, you know that that should be fun. <laughs> serious, I do serious shows on TV, and then I and I uh, watch reality TV. I think this, it is just sometimes a mind numbing thing, you know. It, um, but I do try to try to watch. Uh, amazing film. No, listen, I'm right there with you. When I'm like the, my most stressed, what I want is a Hallmark movie with the most simplistic plot. And like, I know exactly what's going to happen. No surprises. Like that is what I want. I'm like, so with you on that. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes you just need to, need to zone out. I have a, I have a chatty mind. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> we all, we all get You're that. in the right room. <laughs> like everybody does for those of you who don't what's this what's the secret tell me um but yeah sometimes you just need to, to numb out a little bit 
but I do think that there's like a lot of oh, maybe what you're talking about. I'll 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 venture a guess is like what it's all about like this narrative that you have in your head and like you're. I firmly believe that like what you're thinking is everybody's more concerned about themselves at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And so their story is probably um, about them <laughs> and has nothing to do with you. And um, I think, you know, when you can recognize that it honestly like takes all the pressure off because you're so insecure about your, what you're doing. And then the other person's just insecure about what they're doing. And, and that's where the clashing is. It's just everybody's insecurities. It's not, it's not really that you have a problem with anybody else or that anyone has a problem with you. It's all, it's all the story in your head. Was that what I, was that what I said? And everyone's um, influenced by their own experiences, right? So everyone is seeing it through their kind of own version of glasses or rose-coated glasses. But that's interesting. You said that my dad always would say that when I'd be worrying what people think, because yeah, I tend to go down that rabbit hole and he'd just say, Kristen, they're not thinking about you right now. They're thinking about their own thing. Um, You know, and it's so true. They're probably, the other day, someone was mentioned they were worried about what someone was thinking about them and to kind of help console them. I was like, they're probably at home right now, like wondering what they're going to eat or taking a poop or doing something, worrying about what they said to you. You know, like they've got their whole world going on. So most of the time they're not really stressed. And have you ever had a situation where you thought something you said, some, you know, you felt like you were worried about how someone perceived it. And then you went to them down the line and were like, oh, remember when I did that? Like, I'm so sorry. And they were like, no, I was so worried that you were thinking this. And I was like, oh yeah. So we were both in our own narratives about what the other person thought and nobody was bothered by the other person whatsoever. Yeah. Or they completely forgot you even said that anyway. And it didn't affect them at all. <laughs> you spent like two weeks being like, why did I say it like that? Like, yeah. Oh God, I shouldn't have said anything. Yeah. It's, it's amazing what the mind or the ego can do. It's quite a little powerhouse up there. You really gotta, I feel like that's the, the like purpose of life is to not be controlled by the stories or the ego and and to come through that. If you can do that, then you've mastered something. Maybe speaking of the ego and and our relationships with others, let's uh, (laughs) maybe talk about, you know, a positive way of uh, thinking of ourselves in relation to others. Um, Who, who in in the industry is is really inspiring to you? Maybe, um, maybe Canadian actors, if you can think of any. Um, gosh, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what Sarah Polly's, I haven't been following her as of late, but I, she, I love that she did so much acting and then started directing cool films. Um, I would love to eventually direct as well. Um, and be able to wear sweatpants and a hat to work. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I've loved seeing kind of what she has done. Um, um, I haven't, I haven't kept up with her lately, but I, I, I think she's kind of a badass um who else what other canadian actors i mean i'm i'm friends with tat maslani tatiana maslani and she's just such a powerhouse actor i mean i loved what she did in orphan black and yeah. Glad that you mentioned uh, sarah Polly though if i can because um i don't know if you've seen alias grace but i think it was like one of the most underhyped things um on netflix and netflix and that's canadian content it was so well done it was so well done it, i like binged it it's like long and i binged it in like two days it was so good yeah sarah gadden's an incredible actress i've never met her but she's doing some beautiful work and she's totally uh 
full, full blown Canadian gal. Um, I actually auditioned for Ilias Grace. It never, it didn't happen. It's okay. It went to the best woman. She did such an amazing job. She was so hauntingly compelling in that in that miniseries. Um, it was really, really cool. And that was Atwood too, right? That was Margaret Atwood. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So all the, like, powerhouse Canadian women making stuff. It was a very cool project. I should have mentioned that one as well. I like that you brought that up. So you mentioned you would be interested in comedy and um, that you're looking to, d- to direct. What kind of projects are you looking for right now? What, what, what really interests you? Hmm. Just anything that's well-written in human stories. Um, but I think if, if I, I would love to play, um, do stuff that's a little bit more dated, playing characters in the Victorian age or cool. go back to the, the 20s or I'd love to do some more period stuff. I haven't done a ton of that. Um, what would be ideal is if I could do a project that is musical as well. So if I could, you know, do a show that's a musical or play a character that's a musician and then have a hand in writing or performing some of the music, um, that would be my happy place, you know. Um, and yeah, a good, I love a good rom- rom-com if we're back to kind of like escapism I mean, I've seen Bridesmaids probably like forty-two times. <laughs> so good. I when I was in I was in South Africa shooting a TV show years ago, and I thought that the house I was living in was haunted. And so, to go to sleep every night, I'd put Bridesmaids on because it would make me laugh, and then that was what I would fall asleep to. So I could probably quote the entire film, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, so some comedy, some some time, some uh, old school. Pieces and something musical, I guess. I love that. So, you know, we're such huge fans of you, and I'm sure we're we've converted all our listeners. So, where can they find you? What's next for you? Um, and is there anything else? Yeah, you need to plug. Um, yeah, I'm still still working on Chicago Fire, which is exciting, and then I head into another project, which is why I'm here in Toronto. I start that. I'll just say it's a very cool project with some badass running that project and I'm excited to be home to do it. And then, yeah, keep up with the music. Um, you can follow my music at Atley Grove music, but I, I may be changing the handle eventually once I figure out what my alter ego music name is, but it's probably <laughs> Lee, which is my middle name. And I identify with Lee probably more than Kristen. So I'm excited to have one one facet of my art to be under that name. Well, thank you so much for being here, Kristen. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, it's nice to chat with you. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. See you next week. 